You know the saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all? You're listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Fly ball, deep right field. Back is Spencer at the one and two against the Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. Well, that'll do it. Thanks for coming, everybody. Appreciate it. Click subscribe over on YouTube. Thanks for following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you catch your podcasts. And go to the Patreon. We might have more to say later this week. Any parting words, Zach? (laughs) You know, TJ, I spent the last few days at a family memorial service. You spent the last few days watching the Guardians offense. Who do you think had the sadder experience? Uh, uh, (laughs) How could I see that connection you were trying to make from way too far away and did not approve of it? I'm not going to touch that question first and foremost. Second of all, you like how we shifted around our schedule this week because we pointed to... Several weeks ago, the uncanny ability of this team to finish series in such a way where we go to record and they leave it on a positive note. And you can't really get too upset when you're coming off of two consecutive victories against the Twins and you you take your first series since the Reagan administration and you're feeling somewhat positive. The starting rotation has kind of settled itself down a little bit and overall the numbers aren't too terrible there. So we, if we shift the schedule around for a week, conveniently, we come back after a loss, and now I feel like we can just get into the full rippage we want to do. So that was a, that was a good decision, shifting around the schedule this week so that they can, can be coming off of a loss. The offense is still stuck in the mud. They're spinning the tires. I don't know if they're getting out anytime soon. And we could just get into it today. So thank you. Hi. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, they, boy, where do we even start? I mean, I'm, I'm, do we want to go with the fact that they make every soft tossing, just run of the mill left-hander look like Sandy Koufax? Do we want to talk about how part of the reason it's so imperative the offense gets on track is because you're going to have nights like they had on Monday night where Tanner Bybee or your other young starters have some, some growing pains or they just don't have it on a particular night. I mean, this. I'm getting 2014, 2008, 2006 vibes. And that's not a great place to be. Where you feel like you can get more out of the talent you have on the club, but it just doesn't quite fit together. And, and the main thing to me is they even they they do a lot of things right. Like there have been so many times over the last week or two where they've hit a, just a rope and it's just always at somebody. And they don't hit enough of them, but it's like when they do they don't get rewarded. And that's this is not a cop out. The offense stinks. But it's just funny to me the sequencing part of it where in the first inning Monday night two runners on looking like, oh my God, this could be the night they score seven runs finally. Then they would throw a parade down East Ninth. 
But Jose Ramirez grounds into a double play in the first inning. And his second at bat, he comes up and hits a home run. It's like, why can it never be the reverse? It's just the sequencing for this team is just off. Something in the algorithm for the 2023 season is just, <laughs> like, the coding is just not in their favor. Oh, get, get into that server room right now. Figure out what the hell is happening in there. Restart it. If you have to take the cartridge out and blow in it and stick it back in and reset the whole damn thing, that's fine. But I'll tell you what. As you said, you're, a few atom balls here and there is not going to excuse the fact that they have a 329 slugging percentage as we record this on Tuesday morning. 329. Be a, a great batting average. 329 ain't going to get anything done for anybody as your slugging percentage. And I laugh at the, well, you know, this, this is an indication of last year. They were getting unlucky. Last year, they slugged better. They were a better power hitting team with fewer power hitters in their lineup at least what you would determine a power hitter to be. So I want to hear about last year. and We're focusing on this year, okay? Can we flush that? Can we stop revisiting past history with ex-players that are no longer here? Let's talk about the group that is here. There's a lot of revision going on here. When we entered the season, we looked at this group of players and we said, this is a good group of players. This is a team that can definitely go compete for and win the division and hopefully do a lot more. Well, they're not living up to that. And the players that were that were here and you were expecting to count on, not getting it done. So the fact that you got a 329 slugging percentage, no one can be excused for that. That the the next highest team, Zach, in slugging percentage. You want to take a guess who is next in slugging percentage? The Detroit Tigers? Mm, close. Or the Washington the Nationals? Washing, Washington Nationals. They've got a 358 slugging percentage. 358. 329. What's the line from Moneyball, your favorite movie because you love movies about you've got the Yankees and you've got the other teams and you've got 50 feet of dirt and then you've got us. That's where the Guardians are under that 50 feet of dirt right now in terms of getting the ball over the fence, contributing a double. That's why you can't string hits together because none of them are meaningful whatsoever. Yeah. So that would be the lowest slugging percentage by any team in the last 30 years, which is not a title you want to take. Uh, to me, okay, they need to hit for more power. Sure. I can't deny that. And because you are not expecting to get any power out of Quan, Straw, honestly, even like Rosario, like that puts even more pressure on you. You really, it's the middle of the order. You need Ramirez, Bell, and Naylor to hit for power. And, and now Gonzalez is out. I don't think you can expect much power out of Brennan and Arias in right field, I guess. Point is, to me, it still is not about the power. I understand the slugging percentage is a joke, and like they can never bail themselves out when they can't string hits together. But think about the first week of the season. They go to Seattle and Oakland. First of all, can we like I know those listening to this podcast are smart enough not to fall into this trap. Can we shut the hell up about the cold weather being an excuse? Guess what? When they were playing the Guardians brand of baseball that annoys the hell out of opponents that first week in Seattle and Oakland. It was really cold. Seattle was freezing. Okay, so don't give me, don't give me the cold weather. It's just as cold for the opposing team. And I watched Willie Calhoun and Jake freaking Bowers this week take Cleveland pitching deep, Shane Bieber deep. All right, so it's it's not. If it's cold for one team, it's cold for both. And I don't want to hear that excuse anymore. And when the weather warms up, the bats. Okay, you know what? Like enough. It'll warm up for the other team too. Point is. 
That first week, how many times do we say, oh, the 2022 Guardians are back. You did your cute little memes or whatever on our Selvia's Godcast account that I don't understand because I don't watch movies. And and it was that, like, that, all right, this is that's, they're that's just not me. Continue. That's our intern. Do, do not do our no, intern, no. That's, our, that's the intern. That's right. Uh, so it just we, we were all saying, all right, this they're going to play this style again. And like then they'll add in a little more power because you'll you know, maybe Naylor will hit 25 instead of 20 and Josh Bell for power and Zanino hit for power. It looked like that style was back. How many times since then have we said, man, there's those 2022 Guardians doing what they do best again in 2023? We haven't. We haven't. They can't string hits together. And I think it goes deeper than just lineup construction. Believe me, no one on this podcast thinks Ahmed Rosario should still be hitting second, at least against right-handers. And, you know, there, there's just, there's no one else. Like, there isn't an obvious candidate to hit second either. I mean, Jimenez has really struggled and Straw's not a perfect candidate there, although, remember last week, I told you that was going to happen. You probably see Miles Straw hitting second before anyone else. But they just haven't played that style. They aren't stringing hits together. They aren't running. They aren't doing any of the things that made them a threat last season. The offense wasn't great last year either, but the style they played was perfect for the personnel they had, and they made the most of their abilities. This year, it's just like it's it's just, they're they're just treading water. They're just they're, they're not able to get anything together. And I do think and the reason I keep saying like I've said I think the offense will be fine eventually. Jesus Christ, I'm uh, I'm pretty pot committed at this point. But but I, I I still believe that the contact hitters they have in the lineup should be able to string hits together. It's just for whatever reason it seems like. They are not getting the timely hit. They are not delivering with runners on base. They are not able to get that hit when the runners are on base instead of getting that hit when there's two outs and nobody on. Um, and it's a problem. And I don't think it'll last forever, but I do think you need to look in the mirror and say, okay, we called up Tyler Freeman. Why are we not playing him? We called up David Fry. Why did it take a week to get him in the lineup? We sent down Oscar Gonzalez, and we're going to play Gabriel Arias in right field. Like, are, are there better uses of our roster? Are there better, are there hitters with a higher floor who can help rescue us from this pit of misery we are offensively? Like, there are there are things you have to ask yourself. And I just, you know, I, I and I know I'm going on a long-winded rant here. And part of it's because I've been wound up for the last five days waiting to unleash all of this, but. The one other thing that annoys me, you know, the weather thing, whatever. We got to stop looking at the AL Central like it's some saving grace, right? The point of this is not to win the AL Central with 84 wins, backdoor your way into the playoffs, and then get annihilated for two games by the Blue Jays or something. The point is to prove that you're on the right path, not just this year, but the years ahead of you. And you have to make the right decisions from a front office standpoint and a coaching standpoint, to make sure that that's the case. And so, how can you make the most of this season? How can you prove that you are still a legitimate threat to make some noise and to win a World Series this year and beyond? And I'm just not seeing that right now, and I think some decisions, you know, if this continues for another month, like some decisions are going to be have to be made that make us reevaluate where this team really is. Thank you. The thing about the, the cold weather... That might hold more weight if you were looking at things like 
like their expected statistics and you were seeing balls that were barrels that just weren't clearing the fence because it's not human in the air and it's not traveling like it should and all those little elements of cold baseball that are I, I think are an actual thing that that's realistic and you think will even out as the season progresses but it's not a it's not like this team is having good contact and good approaches and it's not leading to success because the ball's not traveling or anything like that. No, and that's that's why I just throw that away. It doesn't mean anything to me. I have seen the the, the narrative looking at Murphy, what he's done for Atlanta and dropping him into this lineup. Sure, that would look great. But as you have noted a thousand times on this podcast, in those trades, they wanted Cleveland's pitching. They probably wanted Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee to get that done. Or Logan Allen and Gavin Williams to get that done. Or, I know you could say Daniel Spino should have given him away. Well, okay, we didn't know that. And I also don't know if Oakland would have wanted him based on they're not stupid and they also see injury history and the question mark that's there. So let's just say you go get Murphy, but you've now lost two of those starting pitchers. Are you in any better position? Because I'll tell you, coming into this year, the biggest question for me is, do you have a rotation that can go win a playoff series for you? I think the answer is yet a lot closer to yes when Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee are here and Gavin Williams is on the way as opposed to losing one, two, or three of those guys in the trades that could have been made to go get Murphy or Walker or anybody else because that pitching, just like you love it, just like the Guardians love it, so does everybody else. So every trade that could have happened to fix this offense or to make it better was going to involve any of those guys. So just... When you're thinking about that, also remove them from the equation. Now, how do you feel from a feel about a rotation that now needs to count on Plesak and Curry and Battenfield, as opposed to, well, if one of these guys guys emerges and then McKenzie and Savali come back, then you feel really good about you'll you'll be able to pick out your five winners out of that group. Well, I'll tell you what, I feel a lot different about this team if we were seeing the offensive struggles and it didn't have the 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 feeling the the ramping up of goodness I feel about the starting rotation and where they can get to. You know, Jason Lloyd and I did a back and forth in the athletic about three weeks ago. It was kind of a state of the team thing, and I was saying, to me, the rotation was the biggest question mark at the time, and we hadn't. I think Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee came up later that week, as you projected, and. I was saying it's it's a bigger question. Me, I, I said I think the offense will end up being fine, and to me, the rotation is the bigger question because there are both short term and long term concerns. Short term concern is you're probably going to have to lean on these unproven rookies for a little while, at least until you get McKenzie and Savali back. And the long term questions were, as you just laid out, this team has World Series aspirations, not just winning the AL Central with an eighty four and seventy eight record aspirations. So to do that. Are there three or four starting pitchers who you can feel comfortable handing the ball to in October? And I I didn't know the answer at that time. I, I still don't. Jason wrote a piece, I think yesterday, saying, boy, do we look silly. Because we said the rotation was the biggest concern, and it's clearly the offense. I still disagree with that. The offense is undeniably the bigger concern at the moment. It's May 9th, and... They don't ever score more than two runs in a game. That's a humongous concern. But again, we're talking big picture here. 
And we're talking how this team, it's been 75 years, man. <laughs> like You have to think about how this team can put themselves in a position to make a run in October. And I understand first to do that, you got to make a run in May or June or July or whatever to get out of this rut. I get that. But I'm still looking at this and thinking, you know, this start has maybe raised some questions about Shane's, Shane Bieber's future that we already needed to raise. But do you move the timeline up to this summer to explore a trade instead of this winter? Um, you know, you, you think about if the season keeps going like this, do you, does that make you want to pull the trigger on calling up Gavin Williams sooner than you would have? Like there are, there are other questions here that relate to starting pitching that I think the thing that's going to take this team to a world series is going to be the rotation. It's how they've built the organization for a decade now and it's how they can win because they're so good at developing starting pitching. And if you think about what is the what is the the team that finally breaks through and ends the drought, what does that team look like? It's probably going to have a rotation similar to the one it had five, six years ago when this team was a legitimate threat. So to me, that looks like Allen and Bybee and Williams. It looks like McKenzie and... I don't know, maybe someone you get for Bieber, or maybe Spino's playing a role out of the bullpen or something in a couple years. Whatever. Point is, you can add Rokio. You can get Tyler Freeman in there. That's not going to just change the offense. The offense isn't going to do a 180 because you called someone up or because you flipped someone in the lineup. They need the pitching still, short-term and long-term. And I, I think you're going to have to go through some growing pains with those guys. And so it all relates together because, again, a night like Monday where Tanner Bybee just said he just, just didn't feel it, didn't, didn't feel right, didn't, didn't feel good, didn't have his command, that's going to happen. Go look at Bieber's rookie year stats in 2018. There's yeah. some really good in there, and there were some nights like Monday night for Tanner Bybee. Yeah. And when and that you happens— expect? You face a lineup like Detroit. What do you think is going to happen? When that happens— you need an offense that can give you three, four runs. You, you the, the problem is, and this is part of it, this team only plays one or two run games. Every game is close. And so part of the issue is that when the pitching doesn't, it's like a, a day when the offense finally has it. When they finally bust out and score eight runs, that'll be the day that the pitching stinks. Mm -hmm. And when the pitching is really good, those are the days, and it's most of the time, those are the days where the offense can't score. Like and that's, the rare, that's the rare the days they have the bullpen... The the rare bullpen blowups. When of them? When mm -hmm. does that happen? When they have gotten just enough offense and the pitching, the starting pitching was fine, and then Colossae has the rare meltdown, and they lose that sort of game. This is why I feel a little conflicted. Most of me is for the for the most part. I've been pissed off, ticked off, annoyed, in all the wrong ways. When I've watched this team try to hit the the the, the past month, basically. Um, and maybe I feel it more than you because you still, I, I've, I've gotten out of the sports writing gig here. So now I can go back. I can drift back into being a fan and follow these things the way that I used to. You've got to remain impartial. You can't let emotions take over and all those, those things that we've covered on past shows multiple times. But for me, I, I can get back to, to trying to feel it because it's fun. It's fun to experience fandom and the roller coaster ride of a season. And in the moment, those downs don't feel so great, but then the ups feel great when they, they inevitably come. But this time, as I'm watching this team, I'm thinking, 
is the the positive is the the the, the back upward trend is that actually going to come it never feels like it is in the moment right it feels like this team's never going to win another game they're never going to have a, a game where they score more than five runs you just assume everything you've seen over the past couple of weeks is just going to continue but what reason should I have to feel differently about this offense I actually do feel pretty good about the starting rotation and where they're at and the guys that are in there right now it's see Battenfield have the start that that two did and Cal Quantrill has gotten more into the typical Cal Quantrill magic where he's not striking anybody out and but he's still carrying no hitters deep into games like how does that dude do it but we have seen him do it for like three years now and so I'm glad to see him back on an upward trend I feel good about where the rotation is at for now I'm I, I, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out offensively you have to be better than a 75 WRC plus right 75 worst offensive team in baseball this year by a long shot and the next closest team in is as far as wrc plus is colorado at 80 and i throw colorado at out because wrc plus is tough with the rockies they're playing at home in that weird ballpark sometimes i think they're they they are more penalized because they play in colorado than they should be and then they're on the road and there's the weird home and road splits I, I i just throw that out so let's look at the next closest team is detroit the team you're playing at 85 10 percentage points better than you that's you and the 28th place team in base in, and they are kicking your ass how is that possible how can you be that bad but the reason why i feel conflicted do i really think they're a 75 wrc plus team no do i think they're the worst slugging team in baseball I don't think they're great, but do I think they're the worst slugging team in baseball? I don't think they're the worst. So I look at this offense and I say, they have to be better, right? Eventually, you have to be a little bit better. And to be where they're at in the standings and to have the, the, as many victories as they have with the offense being as shit as it's been, that's why I feel a little bit conflicted. You often get asked, is it time to hit the panic button? So let me ask you, Zach, let's say it is time to hit the panic button and you go ahead and you hit it. What then? <laughs> what then? Because what, is that going to change the lineup? Is that going to change something? Is, is that going to lead to a big, you, these are the guys that you're counting on. Is, is it not? And if they don't perform, they don't perform. But hitting the panic button, what has that done? Go ahead and hit it. What, you tell me what happens once you hit the panic button. Nothing. Who's hitting the panic button? Because I'm pretty sure every hitter in that clubhouse has been panicking for weeks now. Yeah, I can tell that because Josh Bell is saying things like, well, we're going to turn it around here. You're getting those quotes out of the clubhouse now. You're going to see we're going to turn it on here soon. Who are you trying to convince, me or yourself? (laughs) I hope you're trying to convince yourself. The alarming thing to me is that this has taken place against the dregs of the league. Or maybe they're the dregs of the league. I don't know. I mean, at, you, you couldn't get on track against the Marlins and the Tigers and the Rockies. Then I I don't know. If you can't do it this week against the Tigers and the Angels, what's going to happen down the line mm. when you face teams that are decent? That, that's why it's like... There's, there's nothing... The guys that are here, you're... You've already made that bet. So part of me laughs at myself. Why are you getting why are you getting yourself worked up over this? Because there's 
this is it. There's, there's no giant change coming here. You're either going to live with them or you're going to die with them. So what's worth getting all frustrated about? Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. You just you. It is 162 games, and watched enough baseball to know guys get hot and cold. I also know that not all guys get hot in the timeline you can afford to let them get hot. You know, at some point, we're going to have to ask ourselves some questions about Josh Naylor and what he really is. At some point, they're going to have to make a decision on Ahmed Rosario because he's not going to be here past this year. So are you going to trot him out there for 162 games in the number two spot and just not give any time to Freeman and and Rocchio and limited time to Arias? You know, at some point, Will Brennan's going to have to produce the way we all thought he could. So there are a lot of questions. At some point, I mean, what does Bo Naylor have to do to get a call up? And at what point does Mike Zanino, by the way, let me say this here. God. I had an amazing chat with Mike Zanino in New York. He took me inside in that bat, broke it down, every single thought that crossed his mind. It's incredible insight. Hitters never give you that. A lot of them are just sea ball, hit ball. A lot of them are just like, yeah, I was just looking for a good pitch to hit, put a good swing on it, not try to do too much. He was amazing. Every little thing that went through his mind during this eight pitch at bat he had. Now you're probably saying, "Oh, why would I? Want, why would I care what's going through his mind when he goes to strike out? Because it's what he's done 95 percent of the time over the last two weeks." This is the one time he didn't do that. But that story probably will never see the light of day, um, <laughs> because he's just mired in a miserable slump. So I, I just I don't know what the answer is, but I know it's kind of two things can be true at once here, where as Tito always says, guys get to their levels. Guys will get just as hot as they are cold, etc. Yes, but I also wonder if there are just guys who don't deserve the opportunity to to find that because there's not time. And maybe there are better players waiting in the wings who deserve an opportunity, not just because of what they might be able to do immediately, because again, young players go through growing pains and you can't heap too big of expectations on them, but also just... If you're going to go through growing pains, if you have to do that at some point, do it when the team's 16 and 19 and everybody's struggling. Not next year when it's like, all right, got to win the World Series, and here we are, and we're trying to hang on to first place. Go out there, kids. Good luck. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm glad you said two things can be true at once. That's basically another way of saying it depends. And that's as much as I, I laugh at you, and this, that's become a, a running bit on this show, I get it. I think if anyone's being honest with themselves in every situation, you try to examine every element of why it could be this, why it could be that, 
and you hopefully arrive somewhere close to making your mind up on the topic. But as this show usually proves, we arrive at no answers. We talk ourselves in circles. And you guys apparently like it. You like seeing us get twisted into pretzels. But I thought, let's lean into that. Let's have some fun with the it depends bit that has overtaken elements of this show. So, Zach, I have prepared a few statements. I wouldn't say I agree with them all, but they're things that I was trying to talk myself into or or at least trying to work out myself. And I thought, I'm going to toss these statements to you. You are going to tell me why the answer depends, and you're going to tell, tell me <laughs> why it could be true, why it could be false. Are you ready? It depends. Are you ready? <laughs> Our first statement of It Depends, the game show that is sweeping the nation. Is it? Is it sweeping? The, what does that mean, sweeping the nation? Is that in relation to sweeps? What is that? Where does that come from? The Guardians haven't swept anyone since 1996. When Terry Francona says they don't have minor leaguers to call up and change the offense... He's correct. It depends. Depends what you mean by change. I don't think Brian Rocchio could do worse than Ahmed Rosario is doing at the moment. But if you think one player is going to single-handedly transform this offense from a 75 WRC plus to a 110, I think you're mistaken. If you think two players are going to do that, you're mistaken. The reason a team is going to go from even 75 to like 90, 95 is because Ramirez gives you more. Naylor and Bell solidify the middle of the order. And you get something out of right field. So sure, call up Rokio, call up Naylor. They might give you a little bit here, a little bit there, and like help you incrementally, but they're not going to completely change the offense. I think that was misinterpreted a little bit. It's not that you can't call up younger players and make some shifts around the edges to try to squeeze out a little bit of positive. I don't, Tyler Freeman. Yes, you can do that. You can give Gabriel Arias some more playing time. You can shift some things around. But I think the overall point that Tito was trying to make is that you're not going to replace Andres Jimenez and Josh Naylor and Josh Bell and Jose Ramirez, those, and, and Stephen Kwan, and to some degree Ahmed Rosario, but maybe that's getting closer to actually being a thing. The guys that are here are just going to have to perform. You can't call up Tyler Freeman, and that covers for the fact that you're not getting an all-star level performance from Andres Jimenez. That's not, it's, it doesn't change. The, the offense drastically, which is kind of what I think you're you're getting at. So I, I, I think that that is closer to being a correct. I'm going to agree with on that end of the spectrum. On it depends. That doesn't mean you shouldn't make moves. Of course not. I'd like to see not. Tyler Freeman in this lineup on a regular basis right now because well, <laughs> he's got a high floor, and they need guys who are going to. Help them string hits together. All right, go ahead. Statement number two. It's worthwhile to give Gabriel Arias more consistent playing time before they pivot to more Tyler Freeman at-bats. 
why does it have to be one or the other? Well, who who are they going to displace on a consistent nightly basis if you're going to get both of them playing time? I mean, I think this a is the biggest it. issue at the moment. Fans want Freeman and Arias and Rokio in the lineup every day, and it's Do like, they want Arias? I don't know how you get any of them in there. Do they want Arias? Or maybe not. I, I'm not a huge believer in his bat. I like his glove. I don't think he's the guy I would turn to right now. Because again, it's the bat that's in question. It's the bat that they need. They need bats. They need, again, like I, Freeman makes so much sense to me just because, and that's why I was advocating for Brennan over Gonzalez too. It's like, give me the guy with the higher floor who's just going to put the ball in play. Yeah, and Brennan has made us look like an idiot. So Most far. of them have. <laughs> that's why I'm pissed off. Because you're making me look dumb. And I don't need help in that department. So please stop making me look like an idiot. This is what I've actually wrestled with because I felt like yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm not a huge believer in Arius's bat, but I feel like you gotta give the kids some consistent playing time before I can make any determination. Are you gonna let this kid get in a rhythm at all? I mean I, I feel like we have seen a a youngster that knows his opportunities aren't going to be plentiful. And so when he gets on the field, he needs to make 17 plays all at once. And I don't think that's helping him. And I want to I want to get him settled in a little bit into some sort of consistent role because what he was doing before was not good enough. Like one at bat a week and occasionally giving somebody a day off. That's that's not what's best for getting the most out of his skills. But at the same time, I want to give Tyler Freeman some run because it looks like he has made some additions to, I won't say power, but definitely hitting the ball harder. And maybe that translates into more extra base hits. And it does feel like someone that could at least give you something offensively. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fall in this Brennan trap again and just say, well, they plug him in and he'd hit 280. Well, I don't know that. I don't know, but I, I do think he had gotten himself into a good place offensively. He's obviously healthy right now. This is a good chance for him while he's in that good groove and mechanically where he needs to be in the at the plate. I would like to see him get some more playing time. Who could have seen this coming? I thought that when you only collected middle infield prospects, it would be really easy to find playing time for everybody. (laughs) I remember having conversations with people in the front office a year and a half ago about how they knew we really need to make a trade and consolidate some of these guys. Hello? It's May of 2023. All these guys are ready for major league opportunities and you can't give any of them any time on the field. Crazy how that's played out. Well, I'll tell you what. The Guardians got a lot of love, maybe about this time last year, for they were finally getting some real good returns from the Clevenger trade. The Nailers, middle of your lineup, Owen Miller is now playing a lot, and at the time was hitting okay. Gabriel Arias is in the minor leagues. Flash forward to this year. If what you've gotten is Naylor, who is struggling against all pitchers, but maybe at his best is a guy that faces right-handed pitching, 
And Gabriel Arias, who you just can't even work into your lineup right now, and when he does play, it's not like he's demanding that he sees the next day in his playing time. Uh, I think it's time to halt the, well, they did such a good job on the Clevenger trade. Well, Joey Cantillo says, hold my beer. But yes, I, I think... I'd love I mean, it's to still, as soon as he arrives. I, like Clevenger for Quantrill would have still been a good trade based on what you got back and what Clevenger gave the Padres. But no, your point's taken. I mean, we we grade these trades the second they happen, which is just so stupid. And it's just clickbait. And then we grade them again at the first sign of like, oh my God, can you believe what the return looks like? And as I, like I've I've wanted to say three different times on this podcast so far, it's never as good as it seems when it's great, and it's never as bad as it seems when it's horrible. So keep that in mind. And I'm sure Cantillo so will come up and he'll dominate for a couple months at some point, and we'll be we'll be right back at it, and then he'll yes. get hurt, and he'll be fluctuating no. between the two ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a constant evaluation. That's the point of this. Uh, and, and you could say, well, Clevenger didn't give the Padres anything. That's great. But we're also putting your, put yourself back into the moment, and we don't know what other offers are on the table, what other names are kicked around. But Can you believe you got... how terrible that Bartolo Colon trade was? They just gave away Brandon <laughs> Phillips for nothing. What are they going to get out of this? <laughs> uh, everything in life is a constant evaluation. Things change, and it proves that based on context, it depends. Third one. What Oscar Gonzalez needed more than anything was some confidence. No. Oh, it doesn't depend. It's, it's, he's the easiest one to figure out. I mean, it's, it's, his chase rate is still as low as it gets or as high as it gets. The percentile is as low as it gets, just like it was last year. And, I think it's well, maybe it does depend. I think, I think with him, it's it's that is a tough profile. Regardless, I think someone like that has to play every day. Imagine being a free swinger. Imagine every time the pitcher starts their windup, you're like, "All right, I'm gonna crush this. Let's go. Here we go." I'm <laughs> Zach in his that's backyard. Your, that's just your default set. Age eleven. Right? <laughs> Imagine feeling that and then also only playing once a series. So it's like, oh my God, I'm only going to see, I'm only going to get three at bats today. No, I really got to swing at every single pitch. It's hard. And it's, it's why we marveled last year at how this team was able to navigate contention and rebuilding on the fly. All these young players and you're trying to win games, trying to develop kids and it all worked and it was magical and, what a run and so memorable. But some of these guys are still developing. And they avoided the they avoided this shit. Like they they didn't have to deal with this. Oscar Gonzalez somehow like Jimenez never slumped last year. And Oscar Gonzalez, it seemed like, was always hitting around 290, 300. And then when you started to have some questions, then he started hitting for power toward the end of the year. And it was like, how is this guy taking this off-speed pitch outside of the zone and just flicking it into left center field? Like, it's unbelievable. And it's like, okay, well, how sustainable is that really? I don't know. But there's not enough time left in the season for him to go into an extended slump. 
Well, here it is. And for a team that, for a normal team that's playing a ton of 24-year-old hitters, you probably are losing 95 games, so you just stick with them and ride it out. This team can't do that. And so I think that's why it made most sense for Gonzalez to go to AAA, play every day, and then when there's an opportunity, and Lord knows there will be, come back <laughs> up and try to carry on that momentum. Uh, just imagine free swinging Zach in the backyard waiting for that winger dinger to deposit it into the bushes next door. That's what I think of. Question number four. If none has changed much offensively over the next, I just said two weeks, it will be time to retire. Officially, they'll be fine. Who's saying that? People. Us? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, okay, People so here's saying. an analogy. My son will turn a, a year old next week. And he seems to be pretty quick learning things. And we felt for a while like he can walk. He just doesn't realize he can. But like he, he had he could stand for like a couple seconds and then he would just fall down. It was almost just like because he didn't. He was like, "Why am I standing? This is stupid. Let me get down on the ground and just crawl. I'm really fast at crawling." And so we were in a hotel room over the weekend. And we just stood him up. And we were on opposite sides of the room. No warning. No like one step and then fall down. He just walks from one end of the room to the other. It's like, <laughs> where did this come from? Um, and like, right, like what, what set it off it, in his brain that this this is the time I'm doing it? Yeah, like how, how as do you he's arrive doing at that? it, like he's smiling, <laughs> he's like looking back to get a reaction, and yeah, there was no gradual build to it. He had never shown an interest in wanting to do it. Like we could walk him around the yard holding his hand and stuff, but like he'd never. It like never clicked in his brain like, oh, I'm going to walk now. Like I this is that's how it's gonna be on with the offense. Like it's not gonna be like, okay, Rosario's back on track, and then he's just gonna stay there. And then Naylor's on track and he like it's just gonna they're gonna score thirteen runs one day, and then they're gonna score one the next, because that's what they always do. And then they're gonna be fine. And the thing is you're going to get a couple guys hot and then Quan and Jose are going to go ice cold. I'm like that's this stuff fluctuates. It's just right now 7 of the 9 are about as low and unproductive as you can get. And when the other two or three guys get on base, you're not getting the hits at the right time to get them home. So we can retire, they'll be fine now, I think. I don't think <laughs> we need to wait. Because they're the fine that I thought coming into the year, I don't think they I don't think they can reach that. It's I've had to readjust my expectations. I think everybody has. And now now you're like, well, I'll settle for slightly below league average. That would be fine <laughs> for now. But it's going to come. It, 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 there's not going to be a warning. There's not going to be a gradual build. I think that's what makes this difficult. And that's why you know everyone acts like, oh, my God, this is the worst offense. In my, well, statistically, it's one of the worst offenses we've seen in a long time. But it, it yeah. But this doesn't have to be the new norm, is what I'm saying. It's going to click, and they're going to walk from one end of the hotel room to the other. 
the question is, will they remain standing? Will they fall then onto their nicely cushioned by their diaper ass? Like, what, what, what will what will happen after after that? I don't know. That's why we're here to to recap this every week and prove that it depends. Second to last one. Which one do I want to go with? Both of these are pitching related. I'll go with this one. This one felt like a better... When I had crafted these, this was a better question than the day after Bybee gets lifted early, which I thought was the right move, not only because he was struggling in the game, but there are finite amount of innings for him this year. I don't think Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee are going to throw 180 innings this year collectively between minor leagues and, and major leagues. And if you have any dreams about them pitching in the postseason, you're going to have to be diligent about how you manage those innings. So get them out of the game. I'm fine with that. By the end of the year, there will be legitimate arguments about who should start a possible game one. See, this, this could is depend multifaceted for, because... This could depend for multiple reasons. Yes. Who's to say that they're even going to be in position to have a game one? I, I, I know. But let's just say that they are close enough that you can have this conversation. Yeah. I mean, we had it last year with Bieber and McKenzie. And I think that'll be the case again. Between those two? Yeah, I'm not ready to get bold. Gavin Williams? I was hoping for... A little bit more bold, but that leads us nicely into our final question. Gavin Williams, we will be pitching in the big leagues before August. Yeah, this one's tough. It's really just a numbers game. Um, I think he's 24 years old, and I keep coming back to... At some point, this season will lend itself to letting younger players get their lumps. It's a lot easier for me to envision Gavin Williams starting a playoff game for Cleveland in 2024 if he pitches for a couple months in 2023. Is that fair to say? So, but I, I might hinge on Bieber. But it could also, I mean... Maybe Bybee just stinks for a little while, and you send yes. him down at some point. Keep I mean, unpacking I, it. Come on, give me all of the. the <laughs> yes, pull on all of the. <laughs> the I'm skeptical that of this. Battenfield's been pretty good so far. I'm skeptical that he can lock down a rotation spot long term. I don't know that they care to see Plesak. Savali and McKenzie come back. Bieber, Quant, I mean, that's, yeah, I'll say yes. It dep- It certainly depends on many things, yes. if you want me to go that route. I agree. Uh, Do you, Let me ask you so, this. And okay, go ahead. 48 minutes into a podcast, like an idiot, we could spend an entire episode on this, but do you feel any differently about the plan, I guess, long-term plan for Shane Bieber now than you did a month ago? Long-term plan? Like, am I moving up a trade? Yes. Mm, Not yet. 
But that's also not true because I, I could also say I'm closer to being in that territory. So I like I'm inching further on the spectrum toward ready to to be open to changing my mind, but I'm not changing my mind yet. But that's not how we know this is not how this team looks at it. They don't say. Shut off the conversation. We're not having it. No, they they should be and do consider all alternatives at every moment. Even if this team is on its way and had come out of the gate and their record was flipped and, and they're, they look okay and the offense is okay and the rotation is okay, they are still having conversations in that front office about what would a trade look like. Who, who might be open to it? Of those teams, who do we like in their system? What would that they're, – they're crafting that now. Even if things were much better, they're still having those conversations. So we, we just know how this team operates. True. They could definitely get more in July than they could in December. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm not ready to have that conversation yet. Okay. Well, we are, 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 you, are you getting closer to it? Uh, yeah. Is that, a result, is that a result of just what you said? Because the, the return would be better trading him now? Like. Is, I think is that the change, has to be is, part of it. How do I phrase this? Is is it because you entered the year knowing that more than how they've played, or is how they've played inch that further along? What's the bigger it's, determining it's, factor? Honestly, it's not even so much how they've played. It's it's the path that they're on this season. You're already leaning on three rookies in your rotation. And... It just doesn't seem sustainable to me. Even if the offense, again, the offense rebounds and just gets back up to like water level. I know the starting rotation looks great right now. There are going to be pitfalls. Logan Allen's going to have some hiccups. Tanner Bybee's going to have some more hiccups. And you can bring Gavin Williams up here and he's going to have some hiccups. And I know you get McKenzie back and that helps. Savali might help. But it's just, it's not going to be... Smooth sailing, I guess, is what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. if you're already leaning on some rookies right now, why not lean on another one who you... Like, if you were going to trade Bieber this winter anyway, why not move up that timeline when this doesn't seem like... I mean, we can bring it back to the question that we've been asking for months. What year is their best chance to win a World Series? It certainly doesn't seem like 2023 right now. I can't believe you opened up this can of worms this late into this show. <laughs> if it's not 2023, because, then doesn't it make more sense to trade Bieber in July? Well, here's here's the another difficult part of this. We're still thinking about trading Bieber as if he is the Bieber of two, three years ago. And you're in your mind, you're still thinking what that would train that return would look like. But guess what? That's not what people evaluate him to be. Still a, a good pitcher, still. I would say in the upper tier of number ones, but he's not like top five pitcher on the planet right now. No. no nowhere close. A, a, a good team might target him and make them make him their number two. This is more in line with like, I was trying to think, like when Sonny Gray was really, was, was a hot commodity a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe in that territory, because that's how I viewed him. I, I didn't think Sonny Grace, nobody's number one, but you want him starting game two or game three at the time. 
And that's kind of how I view a team that would be trading for Bieber probably isn't trading for him thinking like we have these conversations about Corbin Burns, for instance. I don't think they're in the same tier from a trade return perspective. Mm. Well, also Burns just because he doesn't control. throw hard. Well, I, I mean, like, look, teams, teams no want has... a guy at the top of the rotation that misses a ton of bets. And that hasn't been the same Bieber. No, I'm not saying he's bad. You're, don't put words in my but mouth TJ. and say that he's bad. I'm not saying he's bad, but you're, he's not the same guy that you're trading that was like close to being a league MVP a couple of years ago. That's not sure. how people evaluate And that was 2020, him. and it was a much stickier world back then, and he, it was a 12-start season. But I, no one has critiqued or questioned his velocity and his diminished stuff and his odd, sharp changes in pitch usage over the years more than I have. To the point that he is gets so annoyed at me if I mention it, or even if I don't mention it, and he mentions it to other people. But the results speak for themselves. Like he has proven that if he's throwing 90 and his curveball isn't what it used to be, and he's just throwing sliders and cutters, and like he still gets outs. And he's gotten outs in the playoffs, and he's gotten outs consistently over a long period of time with diminished stuff. So Yes, like I in an ideal world, you'd have an ace that posts the same ERA as him and the same walk rate who strikes out twice as many hitters because it's just it's great. You don't have as much traffic on the bases and whatnot. But that's that's the ideal world. The reality is he still gets the outs and the results that Absolutely. you would want. So Absolutely. I, he should still have plenty of trade value. And I oh, think yes. the main point No, but the main point is Sure, and if you would have traded him two years ago, you would have gotten an absolute haul. No one can argue that. But two playoff runs with him is going to get you a lot more yes. than one season. Yes. And you also increase the number of potential suitors because it is a multi-year approach. I don't know. I, we, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I didn't mean to. But we don't need to dive into this in detail right now. Three months ahead of the trade deadline and when there are a lot more pressing issues revolving around the team. But it is something to think about, and I do think how the team fares plays into this, and I think how the team gets to whatever path this is taking us on in 2023, I think factors into the equation. This feel-good conversation is brought to you by <laughs> SeatGeek. Godcast listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase with the promo code SELBY. We've been telling you about it for weeks now. Download the app. Many of you already have. Download the SeatGeek app. Use the code SELBY. Save $20 off your first purchase. Yeah, this is not the kind of shows I like having. I, I want to go back to last year when it was, especially at the end of the year, when it was fun and we were having a great time, smiles all around. But I don't feel guilty about it because I know more than any other show we we are extremely fair our criticisms are not based in hyperbole and yeah i mean i got a little little fired up today i get a little upset when they play the way that they do going back a couple of shows it's not our responsibility to put a positive spin on this it's up to them to make the shows fun we'll do what we can with the material we're handed and we're two fun guys so we'll make it as fun as possible but Ultimately, at the end, it's up to them to remove Shane Bieber trade conversations from the episode by the way that they play. 
and stop talking about the crap offense by, I don't know, performing better. It's, it's, it's not up to us to set a more positive tone in the show. I don't like having these shows. I laugh when, I mean, I, I guess to some extent there are journalists and shows that do thrive off the negativity and God, people have been doing it with the Browns for years and years and years and it's old and I can't freaking stand that crap anymore. But to me, I would much rather have conversations and shows that are positive. We're talking about all the great reasons why I feel good about this team. But it's not up to us to frame it that way. It's up to them to to put us in that position to have those sorts of shows. Yeah, it's sort of amazing there. There's not a single player on the team who's having like a great start or a breakout season or a you know something to monitor as we move forward and marvel at. How are they doing this? What's what's been the key to the rise in prominence? And then it, they, there's no one. There's not a single player I could think of. <laughs> on the I mean the the two the rookie pitchers I guess but we've seen them for five minutes so it's 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 very strange um, perspective helps you know it's it's I I'm the one beating my chest saying I don't care that they get up to slow starts every year I don't care that their offense is cold in the beginning of the season every year that doesn't guarantee anything moving forward that's true but again it's never as good or as a bad or as bad as it seems in the moment. And there is time to turn it around and just start walking across the hotel room. <laughs> you know, I'll give you credit. You make me feel better. Make me feel better at the end. Oh, it's over. <laughs> I will say this. Well, it's, it's just, it's also just a brutally awful brand of baseball. That doesn't help. So at least the games are quick. Oh, it could always be worse. You could get thrown out by a ball that hits you where you don't want to be hit. Is that going to now be referred to as being bedewed? 